Morning, morning, morning. How you guys doing today? It's a little drier now than it was earlier this week, I heard. Um, we got back from camp yesterday, and it was hot and dry. So I feel for you guys dealing with all the rain that you guys got this week. My mom kept texting me, uh, I think Thursday night was all the rain you got, and she was like, went checked on your house, made sure everything was good. And so hopefully you guys are all good. Um, I know there has been people reaching out um, about flooding damage, maybe trees down, maybe some roof damage, things like that. If there is damage of any sort, please feel free to reach out to the pastors. We'll be glad to try to get some people there, try to help you guys out. Maybe we can bring some people, help clean up the tree damage, limb damage, whatever it is. We'll be glad to try to help you guys out um, in any way that we can. Um, but before I get into the other announcements, obviously, I just took uh, we, myself and some leaders, we just took 35 teens down to camp this past week. Um, and so we got a lot of them here. Uh, so we are safe, no injuries this year. Last year we had a couple chipped teeth from rafting, so no major injuries, just some scrapes and bruises this year, which is, that's camp, that's just how it's going to be. But we got a quick video that we want to show, so this is going to highlight some of the activities we did, just some of the things, just so you guys can see what these kids got to do. So we got a quick video, and then I'll come back up for some announcements. Technical difficulties, a little freeze. We're getting it to work. Hopefully, we can get it to work. Let me talk real quick. We'll get some of these announcements and see if we can get it to work. Video's really good. If you saw maybe there, uh, Maggie, or Maddie decided to use the most embarrassing part of the video for me instead of any successful thing I did. You saw me slipping off the raft there at the end, trying to do a little flip. But she, she kind of threw me under the bus there. But it's all good. That's what the youth pastor's for. So, um, but with that being said, um, yeah, camp was, camp was a blast. Camp was amazing. We had the opportunity. We got to baptize one of our students this week. Um, we, had a, we have another student who wants to be baptized, so we're going to try to plan that out here in the next couple weeks. So the Lord did his work. His hand was in camp. Uh, we got to learn about the life of Joseph. Um, and, and Joseph's faithfulness to the Lord and how the Lord's provision, you know, was in his life, um, regardless of all the situations and the trials that he went through, the Lord kept uplifting Joseph. And Joseph, if you know, you know, became second in command behind Pharaoh. So he, he set everything in course the way he planned it and wanted it. Um, and so we got to learn a ton, a ton. So if you're going to talk to me after camp and I'm yawning in your face, I'm sorry. Uh, I got nine hours of sleep last night, but I'm still trying to catch up from these kids. All these kids came back. I was like, how did you sleep? They were like, 
oh, you know, we went to bed at midnight tonight, like this past night. I was like, I was asleep by nine. So I guess that's what happens when you're almost 30. Now these kids are 16. So um, I, was, I was exhausted. But, um, but with that being said, so youth tonight will be like normal. The only other thing, major announcements, I'll have Josh Dyer come up here as well, and he can help maybe explain a little more if I miss some details. So on August 6th, um, the kids' ministry and the youth ministry, we're going to partner together to do an event, um, an outreach event. That's going to be at Thomas Jefferson Elementary School. Um, I think it's 2 to 5, 2 to 5. Um, so we're going to have water slide blow-ups. We're going to have many different blows. We're going to have food. We're going to have just kind of a carnival feel event. And it's just going to be a big outreach opportunity that we are going to try to do and have all ages of kids come. Um, so I'm going to let Josh explain maybe some more ideas behind it. I don't know if you had anything else you want to explain. Yeah, basically everything he said, but the whole point definitely to church is community. So obviously, you know, we really want to come together and use this as an opportunity as an outreach as well and uh, just make sure that, you know, the, the local community knows that we love them, that Jesus loves them, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. So uh, obviously we're going to need a lot of help. Uh, if anybody was a part of the, uh, the uh, Easter event that we had, uh, you saw how amazing that was. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be that big of a scale, but if it is, hey, we'll be prepared and God will provide. So um, it's going to be exciting. Like Jeremy said, a lot of cool like water slides and jumpies and, uh, you know, hopefully we get some good food out there too, like carnival themed. So, um, so come be a part of it and, uh, we'll, we'll roll on with it. And if you guys have access, if you guys have, um, the, uh, candy machines or anything like that, if you have access to anything like that, we're looking for some things like that. Um, we, like I said, we really want to make this like a carnival kind of theme. So we got, we're going to popcorn. We're going to try to have like kind of candy, hot dogs, hamburgers, all that kind of stuff. So if you have access to anything like that and you don't mind loaning it to us, letting us kind of use it and borrow it for that day, we'll be glad to, we'll keep it nice and neat and we'll clean it up and we won't break, I promise we won't break it. I know I'm a youth pastor. We break a lot of things in youth ministry and stuff. We will not break your stuff, I promise. So I want to check real quick. Is that video? Video is good. Let's see if we can get this video, and then Rick Kennedy is going to come up and then lead us into prayer and into worship. So.
So a little delay in the video there at the end, but we got to do lake tubing, river tubing, white water rafting, canoeing, uh, water slide, three-man sweep. I mean, there's so much to do. So, um, so next year, I know we got a couple spots open just because of kids have graduated out of uh, high school into college, and so I know we got a couple spots, but campus, camps is a little tough to get into because it's a lot of just the same people go and go and go, but... If, you, if you're interested, if you saw that video and your kids think they want to go, uh, it's 6th grade through 12th grade. So we, we have a blast. It's a long, I'll be honest, it's a long week, but it's an enjoyable week. And the kids, you can ask a lot of the teens here, they had a blast. So, um, so camp is, is fun, but I'm, I'm glad to be back and, and back in my own bed. So, uh, but with that being said, I'm going to have Rick come up. He's got an announcement for today, and, and he'll pray us into worship. Hey, let's give uh, Jeremy a big hand for that week he just had with the youth group. What a, what a big commitment, what a job he's doing with our young people. Uh, so pray for him, pray for our church. Um, so I'm up here to uh, give the announcement about uh, after the service and next week. So um, the janitors are going to be in here this week redoing all the floors. So this week after the service, we have to tear down. So the directions are this, the, they want all the chairs stacked in like um, about eight high, and then we're going to use the chair rollers, we've got to roll all the chairs into the, um, this entryways over here into the cafeteria, and then the second crew is going to be working on all of the backdrop, all of the, the stage setup, so it, it's a lot of work to tear down, and then we have the tech team has to get all their stuff, so we really need your help. So when the service is over today, uh, we start with, we'll stack the chairs, and then please stay around uh, if you could and help. Many hands make light work. Um, and it's a big benefit for, for all those that are working to have people helping. So with that said, if we tear down this week, that means next week we gotta sit back up. So usually about eight o'clock, um, the setup teams will, you know, a couple, uh, group of guys, same, usually the same guys. So we, we will be glad to have you. You want to come up uh, at about 8 o'clock. That's when we start doing the setup. We'll have to pull all the chairs, set up all the chairs, the, the backdrop. All this will have to be reset up. And then there's a conference the week after that that's in here um, for Bedford County. So they're going to be using the cafeteria. So that means we're going to have to tear down and set up next week too. So anyway, with all that said, Please, please, um, please.
please help us. All right. So it's just a benefit uh, for you and uh, to be involved in, in such a great church. We have such a great church, and a lot of things go on behind the scenes. And for those of you who come, we want you to enjoy it and, and worship the Lord. But hey, we can gladly use your help. So with that being said, let us um, let us go ahead and pray and get our hearts focused on the Lord. God, we just uh, praise you. We love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for Impact Church. This, Lord, this is your church. Give this church to you everything, every ministry, every song, every sermon from Pastor Brad, Lord, every family, every heart, Lord, is yours here today. Lord, just send your spirit upon this place. Lord, fill the hearts. Those who don't know you, I pray, Lord, you would convict them and draw them to you. Those who are Christ followers, Lord, I pray you would strengthen them as they hear your truth, your biblical truth, the power, the living word, Lord, they grow and take that out into their world, Lord, to their surroundings, to their family, to their people. Lord, may they encourage others to live and follow you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this Sunday, this day of worship. In Christ's name. Sorry about that, my battery just died. <laughs> so good to be with you today, and so so glad to uh, have you in worship with us today. Let's all stand together as we sing. Would you stand with us, please?
Praise the Lord this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. We have a new song that we'd like to share with you this morning called Firm Foundation. And uh, many of you may have heard it before, but we just want to introduce it to our congregation this morning. Firm Foundation. Let's sing the song to our Father today.
you say amen to that? Amen. Praise the Lord.
say about it. We recognize our need for it to live and function in the world, but how should we manage it? Maybe a better question is, are we managing it? Or is money mastering us? As Christians, we recognize how we view or manage money cannot save us. Even our most generous acts cannot save us. Christ alone saves us through the most lavish generosity of all time, where he laid down his life as a sacrifice on the cross. Though our charity and how we manage money cannot save us, it speaks to how much we understand the generosity of God giving us his son so we can be reconciled to him for eternity. Therefore, money becomes an excellent diagnostic tool to identify where our heart is, because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. Welcome to Impact Church this morning. How's everybody doing? We're good? Excited to be in the house of the Lord today. I think it's a little cooler in here, maybe. All right, so feeling good. If you're visiting with us, maybe it's your first time, fifth time, 20th time, whatever it is. Welcome. We're glad you're worshiping with us here this morning. If you're searching for a church home, a place to get plugged in, man, we hope the Lord leads you right here. Can I just be honest, man? Just, you got a selfish invitation from me, but you got a more of an important invitation from the Lord to be a part of what God's doing here in this community. We're just getting started as a church plant. A little over six years old um, and, and in the process of developing a, a permanent home and a structure over here off of 811 that God's going to use as a tool to reach our community. So we would love for you, you to be a part of what God's doing within this body uh, of believers and in this community at Impact. If you're searching for a church home that uh, preaches the word of God unapologetically, um, you're in the right place. And uh, so welcome to Impact this morning. So also, I know we've had a lot of crazy weather here, and they talked about it earlier at the beginning, but um, we were thinking about maybe not putting up a metal building, but maybe a wooden boat, you know, called an ark or something that might serve us better. Um, I don't know. It might get through the county and VDOT better also. But anyway, so no, but a lot of rain here, a lot of people tr uh, trouble with flooding in their basements. Um, uh, some people I just left this morning 
a uh, service. Uh, Impact has a little church plan, if you will, uh, in a restaurant of all places. I've been past two Sundays. Uh, you might have seen me coming a little later than usual. I've been uh, speaking to the staff over at Iron and Ale Restaurant. Um, Tom and Carrie McFadden are partial owners over there, and they've had a burden to reach their um, staff for Jesus uh, to some extent and give them a church opportunity. So I've been going over there and speaking. Um, so I did that this morning, and then uh, some of the people that were helping over there with music left to help a family with their flooded basement in the church. So if you guys have any needs like that, let us know. And if you're interested in helping uh, somebody and just being kind of on call, if you will, uh, you can let us know after service as well. All right. So diving right in, let's get going. So we have been in a sermon series now for a few weeks entitled Barrier Breakers, Overcoming Life's Toughest Obstacles. A very practical, useful sermon series that is going to apply to every single one of us, right? And we've gone through some, some topics that I hope have helped uh, tremendously shed some light and truth from God's Word on things we all struggle with. I mean, we've looked at uh, fear. We all get fearful at times in our life in certain uh, situations and circumstances that are uncertain, and are, are we going to live in fear or are we going to trust God, that he's sovereign, that he's in control? We talked and, and looked at um, pride and, and how pride can lead to a lot of bad circumstances in our life and how to overcome and break down that barrier of pride. We also um, looked at identity, and that was last week, about how our identity, our very uh, being of who we are, answering the question of who are you? Is I, is, should be grounded and anchored in Christ. And if you missed any of that, you need to go back and hear that because this all builds on each other, especially with pride and identity, because what we're going to talk about today plays into both of those aspects. And so today, the title of our message is Don't Take the Bait. Don't Take the Bait, Surviving the Materialistic Culture. So we're going to talk about overcoming the barrier that we all have in front of our face, that we all have been sucked into at times, and that's materialism. That's the desire for things and the need for, for more things or money. And if any of us in here are an, uh, an angler, anybody ever been fishing? Anybody love fish and fishing? Not penny me people. Maybe y'all's arms are stuck. I don't know. I know there's some people in here that fish. Somebody got fish. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, even if you don't fish, you're familiar with sometimes you go fishing and you cast a lure out. All right? And it's something that's artificial. That's not going to bring substance to the fish. But you throw it out there knowing that that fish, if he's hungry enough, he's going to grab it right? And oftentimes with these fishing lures, if you've ever been in Walmart and you kind of walk down the little aisle by accident, even if you don't fish and you see all the, the, the fishing lures, what do they look like? Boy, they're bright. They look like you walk down the toy aisle almost, right? I mean, they're blingy, they're colorful, they're shiny, they're attractive. And that's what we put in front of a fish that when it's in the right mood, ready to grab and tempted, it'll hit it thinking that they're getting something with substance that'll fill them up. But inside, not only is it empty, but it hooks them in their mouth and gets them yanked out of their environment in their water. <laughs> you ever wonder what other fish think if they see other fish get caught? I mean, you think about that? I mean, you, you ever think they talk to other fish about, yo, man, Fred was down here the other day, and this white shiny thing come like swimming through here. He grabbed it, man, and, and I was going to hit it, but he got to it first. And, man, dude was like, Whoop. I ain't seen him no more. So if that thing comes by, don't touch that. So anyway, I mean, it's crazy, though. But that's a silly example. 
But what that picture is, is something that's fake without substance that leads to a downfall in something as simple as a fish. That's a funny example. But how many times, how many times, how many times have we seen it in our world? Do we see it in our own life where we fall for money in material things and it gets us hooked in our lip and it leads us somewhere that we don't want to be? And it just ends up destroying our family, destroying our relationships. It ends up destroying our lives. And what we're going to see here ultimately is if we don't repent and turn from it, the enemy can use it, yes, to destroy our souls. Because we can't serve two masters. We're going to see that. Everybody's somewhat familiar also with a, a reconnaissance mission, like maybe in the military, where before um, certain people go in behind enemy lines and overtake a certain area or advance across a field or whatever, reconnaissance will take place. And that's basically a scouting report where you send somebody out and be like, hey, here's what's ahead. Here's some of the landmines, the dangers. Here's where they're, they're dug in. The enemy is blah, 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 whatever. And so you depend on a good scouting report. And if the scouting report's bad, it leads to bad things on the battlefield. But if the scouting report's good, how, how naive, how foolish would we have to be to not listen to it and be like, I don't think they got the right information. I'm just going to walk across this field. Ain't nobody here. That's not smart. And see, what we're going to see and what we're going to get here today is the Apostle Paul led through the Holy Spirit, and then even Jesus himself in another passage are going to give us a reconnaissance mission, a scouting report, if you will, of what's ahead and where the dangers are in materialism that can take us out if we're not careful. And in fact, not only could it take us out, but it could maybe even unknowingly allow us to lead other people astray, like our family, our kids, our friends, where we get the, the wrong idea about what's important. And we lead them not only on the wrong path here, but on the wrong path for eternity about what's truly important in our lives. So what we're going to get today is a word from the Lord ultimately on how not to take the bait so that you and I can break down the barrier of materialism and be overcomers in a materialistic culture that's so shiny and right in front of us all the time. But we can be victorious through our relationship with Christ. Let me pray for us before we dive in. Dear Lord, we love you. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, the gift of your son. And Lord, we come here today, Father, not just to worship you with our tongues, not just to check off a box to say we were at church. Lord, we come here to worship you with our lives. Lord, we come to lay before you our hearts, our minds. And Lord, that we're asking you today that through your spirit and through your word that you would penetrate our hearts and our minds. And Lord, that you would shine the light on some of the darkness maybe that still may be within us. Lord, as you lead us in this walk of life, Father, that you want us to live out for your glory. Lord, whether that's some of us that are here for the, for the first time or, or we don't even have a walk with you yet, Lord, shine that light on your truth, on your love, Lord, that you want to set us free. And Lord, for those of us that have walked with you for a while, we're still tempted by certain things and we're still easily given in to, to certain things to take the bait and the things of this world, Lord, shine the light on that and expose our heart, Lord, and show us what's not of you and what is of us or is of this world. And Lord, remove it, Lord, that we could be more like Jesus. 
Lord, would you do that today? Let your Holy Spirit just fall upon this place, Lord. Lord, because we long to be followers of you, your disciples. Lord, use for your glory. So, Father, we praise you in advance for everything you're about to do right now through your word. You get all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you have a copy of the word of the Lord with you, you can turn to the book of 1 Timothy, because that's where we'll be today in chapter 6 um, with a teaching passage, and then we'll move over to Matthew uh, chapter 6 as well here in a, in a bit. But you know, Albert Einstein, man who we're all very familiar with, very wise individual, said this. It says, not everything that can be counted counts, and not everything that counts can be counted. What does that mean? Basically, there's a lot of things in this world that we look at, that things that are, that are counted, like money and, and things and material things, not all that counts. Not all that really matters. And this is not coming from a pastor, guys, <laughs> by the way. This is coming from a wise man, even just by even secular standards. Not everything that can be counted counts, and not everything that counts can be counted. Not everything that we think counts in life that really matters, really matters, is what he says. An example, as we kind of start to dig through this, we know we live in a hyper-materialized society, don't we? I mean, it's all in front of us every single day, everywhere we go, that things matter. And I'll go be, I'm going to be honest with you. There's a lot of things that we need that are put in front of us, that we have to have. But then there's this deception that we need more, and we have to have more, and we live for more. And it starts to take the focus off of what God really wants for us and who he wants us to be. That's where the problem will lie. And we're going to see that as we dig into God's word. All right? So really... Essentially, with this materialistic culture and all the things that are put in front of us, we become mesmerized, like the fish with the blingy lure that comes by its face at the right time, and we jump, and we pounce. And if we're not careful, get this, we can even let that leak over into our faith, our walk with the Lord, where we think that we should be blessed by God with things, material things. And, 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 and if we're not, we start to question God, and, and God, why are you blessing them and not me? And, and see, this can become a dangerous trap. If we're not careful, we can even let materialism leak into how we choose a church. I've heard that over the past six years. Well, man, I, 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 you know, I love the church, but, man, y'all mean a school. Or y'all wearing a tent with no bathroom. Remember that time? You know what I'm saying? But I've heard that recently. Y'all in a school, so we, we went to a church that's got a big building, and we like that, and it's fancy stuff, and it's like, Really? Is that how we're going to choose our churches today, as if there's a fancy building and a comfortable seat? So what you're saying is, I'm looking for a cruise ship church. I want to be entertained, and I want to be comfortable. But see, God wants us to look at church like a battleship, not a cruise ship. That we're on a mission, and there's an enemy that we have to defeat. And, and shame on us for ever picking a church because of, of entertainment programs or a building. Lord, forgive us for we know not what we do. Because that is not it. I, I'm going to be honest. I'm ashamed that a church today has to be run like a business. Can I just be straight honest with you? That is not what God created the church to do or be. 
It's unfortunate we have to run it that way in this world we live in. But it is what it is. But that's not the focus. We can't let that take over how we run a church and where we deem a church to be successful or unsuccessful or even where we want to place our family. You should place your family somewhere where you know the word of God is preached, where you can get plugged in and serve because it's a battleship. You see, on a cruise ship, you just sit back and, ah, let everybody take care of you. That's kind of what the church does today in America. But see, God wants it to be a battleship where you step on deck and serve. And you be a part of the mission. So if we're not careful, this materialism idea can leak over into places that really it never should be. And see, so many times in our life and in my life, when we try to, to get things right in our life, which we should, and, and we're confronted even with healthy things like God's word today, we, we, do, we try to take care of the cobwebs without taking care of the spider. <laughs> you, ever, you ever cleaned your house? I mean, or an old house, and I'm going to say it's your house now. Maybe you got cobwebs. I don't know. That's all on you. But you get the cobwebs, right? I got some in my house. I'm going to be honest. All right? Places we can't reach, and you, you, if you clean, you get the cobwebs, get the cobwebs. But how many of you first, before you got the cobwebs, tried to find a spider? <laughs> because you know this. When you take the cobwebs down, that's great. Everything's clean for a while. Everything's going right. But if you don't take care of the spider, that's, that's, that's the booger that made the cobwebs. We got to find that scoundrel, right? It's the same thing in our walk with the Lord and with what he lays on our heart through his word. In other words, what I'm saying is this. We could go through the do's and the don'ts and the do's and the don'ts, and we can feel convicted, and we could take it on the wrong way. We could try to clean up the cobwebs in our life. But if we don't take care of the spider, what's really causing the cobwebs, then we're just running on a hamster wheel. Because if I, I, can, I can learn how to, to, to budget with money, and I can learn how to save, and I can learn how to get out of debt, and then I could even be sanctified in, in that in my thoughts, and I could, I could start to give, and I could start to tithe, and that may be good if I'm just doing it in my own strength and just, just on, on these own individual things. But here's where we all are, and here's what we all know. Weeks down the road, months down the road, maybe a year or so, and, and dang, life happens. <laughs> And, man, things just kind of, well, you know, this, this right here, I needed this, and happened. And, uh, you know, and so before long, all the cobwebs that we had cleaned up come back because we didn't address the spider. <laughs> That's because it's not about works, guys. Please get this. We got to get this. It's about our heart. It's about what God has done for us and now who we are in Christ and what we want to do for him. It goes back to that identity message last week. Where are we finding our identity? Are we going to find our identity in things and money and material things and houses and cars and this, that, and the other? Or are we going to find our identity in Jesus? And it goes back to a heart issue and the root cause. So with that introduction... Thinking about the heart, not about the do's and the don'ts. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's read verses 6 through 10. It's going to be our passage to start with today. 1 Timothy, we're going to go chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. And just to give you a little context first, if you read verses 3 through 5, you're going to see Paul here talking to his brother in the faith. And he's saying, hey, man, there's some false teachers that have come up. Oh, come on, come on. We got to get a message right here. There's some false teachers that have come up, and they're corrupting men to think like they shouldn't. 
And they're corrupting men in ministry even to think that their walk with the Lord, that, that their ministry is for financial gain. In other words, they're teaching that loving, serving, or walking with God is a way to get rich. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Boy, I can think of a, a bunch of people on Facebook and online that preach that way. And it's wrong. It's false teaching. But here is the context of where we're getting ready to get into in verse 6 through 10. So Paul's already addressing Timothy with this. That some people have the wrong motives. Some people have the wrong false teaching. They think that this, is, this life and even following Jesus is all about things. It's all about money. It's all about gain. There's the context. And now we get verse 6. You ready? Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. Boy, that's a flip. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Paul starts out in verse 6 with the flip opposite of what the false teaching had been teaching, that it's all about things, it's all about financial gain. He said, honestly, he said, this is what your gain is, godliness with contentment. That's where you, your great gain is. Godliness with contentment. That doesn't even need any explanation. Seeking and, and, and longing to walk with the Lord and being content with where we are, who we are, what we have, what God's provided, and trusting him for all the details. Moving forward. That's contentment. I don't have a need. I don't have a desire. I don't have a, a want. Verse 7. Pretty obvious. We brought nothing in. Ain't taking nothing out. We came into this world naked, and we're leaving. Same way. Nobody has ever seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. Ain't going with you. It's not. I mean, it's not. But how do we toil and strive and toil and strive for things and want and desire? And I'm guilty of it. None of it really, really matters. Verse 8 says it right again. Here's the, here's the thought. Really, if we have food and something to cover us up, we should be content. <laughs> Try that for a commercial in America. You ain't going to sell nothing with that. Hey, just be happy that you got a roof over your head, some clothes on your body, and you got a little something to eat. And honestly, for us to have food on our table and clothing and cover, we got to have a few things in this life we live in. Let's not, let's not you know, be naive. We live in an industrialized society. If you don't have a vehicle, you're going to have a hard time getting to work to provide to put food on your table. All right, so we're not talking about things. Things are not the problem. 
Okay, let's get that clear. It's the desire for more. And when you have something and you're given something, you're not content and you need the next. You need the better. You need what your neighbor has. You need what your friend has. It's more, more, more. That's what we're going to see the problem is. It's not the things. All right. Verse 9 and 10 is where the Holy Spirit through Paul here is going to start to get a little heavier. Because he hits, he hits right direct. He says, people who want to get rich fall into a trap. I want to say that again. People who desire it, okay? Not people who are rich fall into a trap. That's not what it says. People who desire it, i got to have it. I want it. It's going to make my life better. It's going to make me important. It's going to make me have purpose. It's going to... That's where the trap is. That's where the trap is, guys. All right? And he's very, very pertinent here, and he's very, very accurate and very, very specific. Those who desire. In other words, so we start to see this is a a heart issue. This is a desire issue. All right? This is not a thing issue by itself. All right? Or a status issue. This is a heart issue. All right? That leads to the snare. And it's led to many many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. It means it it destroys people. It destroys lives. What what people are after that thinks they're going to think it's going to give them life and give them purpose actually destroys them. And if we're not careful, not just in this life, but for eternity. Because of where our heart really is in this situation. All right? Because it says this, it says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. First of all, it's not the root. A lot of times you see that misquoted. It's not the root of all types of evil. It's a root. In other words, it's one root. It's one path. It's just one thing that can lead us astray. It's not the only thing. It's not the devil by itself. Money's not the devil, all right? But if our heart and our, and our desire is rooted in the wrong motive, that's where the problem is. So this main problem is not money. It's not things. It's materialism. It's a desire for more. So what is material things? Is this just a problem of people who have things and then they want more? Or is this even a, a problem for, for everybody? I'm going to be honest, it's a problem for everybody. It's right in front of me. It's right in front of you all the time. So the question is going to be, how bad are we hooked by it, right? Because we know this is really a, a potential disease of the rich and the poor. It's not just the ones who have and they want more and better stuff. There is an issue there a lot of times. But it's also an issue with the poor. How about the person who doesn't have a dollar to their name? And they come to the end of the week and they get their paycheck and they finally get $10 in their pocket. And they go buy five lottery tickets with it. So thinking, oh man, if I win this, then my life's going to be better. It's going to change. I'm going to have, I'm going to be, I'm going to. See, it's not just for those that have. It's even for those that have not and they're not content in what the Lord's given them. And they desire something more, something different. And there's deceit in that. All right? So, let's dig this out. And all to say as a disclosure, this isn't the, the, just the fleeting thought that, oh, man, life would be better if I had a little more money. I've been there myself. You know what I'm saying? 
Especially as I'm living and my house is getting older and my vehicles are getting older and everything's breaking and I've been working on stuff around the house and in my truck and all that stuff. I'll be honest, I've thought, man, you know what, Lord, I wish I just had the money, man, I could just go buy a new truck. <laughs> it would solve this problem. I wouldn't be laid up under here working on all this greasy stuff all the time, right? <sighs> but then where's the contentment? Where's the thankfulness that I have what I have? Instead of just desiring more, desiring different, desiring something else. Maybe I should thank the Lord that I have the ability to crawl up under that greasy thing and fix it. I don't know. But I've been there myself. So it's not the fleeting thought. It's the life ambition, the desire. It's the, oh, I got to have, I got to more that drives. That's the hook. All right? Even later in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18, we'll get there at the end. We see again that the problem is not money or things because God actually wants us to have these things, some of them to enjoy. But then the main purpose for having things, money and stuff, is to give and to share. That's why he wants us to have. is to use it for his glory and to help others. We're going to see that, all right? But very clearly, this is a trap. And some that, ha some that have the wrong motive and strive the wrong way... Get this, verse 10, have strayed from the faith. What? It says because the love of money is the root of all evil. It says some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. Oh, does that mean somebody can lose their salvation? No. Some people would teach that right here. That's not what this is saying. Because if you remember... The Bible also says in the New Testament that if somebody goes out from us and they don't return, it's because they never belonged to us in the first place. You see, if we stray for a while, the Holy Spirit in us is going to convict us. And, and yeah, some of us are more stubborn than others and takes a little longer. But eventually we're going to come back to our senses through the Spirit. God's going to break us. We're going to say yes. That's the work of the Spirit in us. We don't get credit for that. Again, it's work of the Spirit. All right? But... If some started out well, and then they got caught up in the things of this life, and they leave because their heart wasn't right, then yeah, they weren't right in the first place. Paul even had a brother in the faith named Demas that he said he started out with him, but he left him because he loved the things of this world. How many people have we seen start out well, and we thought they were all that in a bag of chips, and then, man, they get this hook in He's like, where did that come from? That's not even a, a hint of who I thought you were. What, what's got your heart? And then on the flip side, when, when you're confronted with the word and you're confronted with some brother, brotherly love and, and somebody's trying to get the plank out of their own eyes so they can go help their brother with the dust in theirs, and you point that out and try to help them, and, and then they get mad and flare up. and It's like, where's your heart? The Bible is very clear that this right here can lead people away. And it pierced is them. Kind of like the hook does in the fish. That they've been pierced and drug away and led into many sorrows. So we see that there's a danger in this. This isn't just a joke. Remember this reconnaissance mission? That there's a danger out here. This isn't something that, that we just lightly fluff up and, and play with. This is something we need to take seriously. Because the enemy ultimately has a desire to destroy you. Remember that thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy? John 10, 10. He's out there. And he wants to use everything. 
He's going to use the things of this world and the bling. He's going to use uh, the temptation from his uh, uh, demons and all the demonic forces. But here's the ultimate thing. Here's what it's all about. Here's the third part. It's your own fleshly desire that gives in. It's my sin. It's your sin. It's our own depravity. That if we're not careful, if we don't deny ourselves, that we can give in to that and fall. And we can try to blame the devil. That's what Eve tried to do. And we can try to blame other people in the world. That's what Adam tried to do with Eve. But ultimately, it's our own evil desires, James says, that leads us away and makes us fall into sin. That's what it's about. So that's where we have to recognize this. If we look at this word, this phrase, really, love of money, in the Greek, it's the word philogyra. Philogyra. And in that, inside that word is two root words. One is phileo. We're familiar with that. It means love. It's the friendship love, right? There's three types of love in the Bible. Phileo is one of them, the friendly love. That's the first part of this word. So there's a love. And then the second word is gyra. That's greed. Love and greed. Love and greed. That's love of money. So we see it's not just a thing. It's a desire problem. It's a heart problem. It's the spider problem, not the cobwebs that we need to just fix. If we take care of the, 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 the spider problem, the cobwebs fix themselves. And God does that work in us. So, philogyra for the Greek, but the street name that we're used to is materialism. And we live all in it. And if you're looking at God's word right there, I want you to kind of underline or circle some words right there in that, in that passage that we just read in 1 Timothy chapter 6. You can look at the word plunge. So these are destructive things and how it's used. Plunge, ruin, destruction, root of all kinds of evil, wandered, pierced, griefs. A lot of trouble in there. What are the tactics? This passage even shows the ta tactics on how this happens. First is temptation. We know that the enemy even tried to tempt our Lord with things. and said, man, if you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll give you all this stuff. Didn't phase the Lord. But how many times have we bowed down and worshiped something because we wanted to have all this stuff? Temptation really is offering a good thing in a bad way. You see, it goes back to it's not the things, it's not the money that's the problem. God wants us to have and enjoy for the purpose of giving and sharing. We're getting there, all right? It's not the things that are the problem. It's the heart desire of where it's at, all right? That's where the hook is. That's the trap the word's talking about. So there's the second tactic. It's a trap. It's a lure. We've already talked about that adequately. Here's what I want to look at. It says it's foolish and it's harmful. Guys, we don't think of materialism like that, do we? You ever think that it's foolish and that it's harmful? We think it's innocent. We think that it's just something we do because of where we live and the side that we live in. That's just what we do. That we think that it's a good thing because doesn't God want us to use our gifts and our talents? And doesn't he want us to inspire to improve ourselves and, and do well in our job? Absolutely he does. And then with that, and, and we're doing everything as though we're working for the Lord, there's blessing inside of that. And especially when our heart's right, then God allows us to have so, again, we can bless. All right? And, yes, we can enjoy as well. All right? So we have tactics. Now, what's the product? Here, here's, what's, here's what's crazy. 
These people that have been hooked, drawn away, that they've left the faith, and, and because of their greediness, they've been pierced themselves with sorrows. It says they wandered. It's the word wandered. And this Greek word gives the idea of a slow fade. It's not immediate. And it's not obvious. It's almost, it is, it's deception. And this idea, this Greek word wandered, you ever been to the beach? It's a great time to kind of give this, because a lot of people are going to the beach, been to the beach, going to the beach, whatever. You've been to the beach before. And you're standing in the ocean. And maybe you're sitting there on a float or hanging on to somebody, or you're just standing and you're talking with somebody, or maybe you're doing some boogie boarding or bodyboarding or whatever, and you started here, but after you've been in the ocean for a while, maybe you've been out there an hour or whatever, are you in the same place that you started an hour ago? Where are you at? <laughs> that way, right? Whatever way the current's taken, and you don't realize that the waves are constantly taking you. And in your mind, if somebody asks you, hey, why are you going down the beach? I ain't going down the beach. What are you talking about? You're crazy. My, my, my mom right, oh, my mom was right there. Oh, where, where? See what I'm saying? That's what this word is. That's this word wander. It's a slow fade. It's a deception. And we don't even know what's going on. We're falling for the hook and we're being pulled and sucked somewhere where we didn't want to be or didn't start. That's what this issue is. So the issue, yes, greed, love of money in this, inside this filigree, but it's also, again, how much we're hooked. Because, again, it's everywhere. It's magazines, it's movies, it's radio, it's TV. Everywhere you turn, it's things, things, things. Got to have more, different, new, right? And those are, what are those things called? Advertisements. And what are advertisements doing? Advertisements, yes, telling you about their product, about this new thing. But do you know the, the underlying subtle meaning to an advertisement? Do you know what it should be if the, a proper and good advertisement does without saying it? It makes you discontent with what you have. That what you currently have is not sufficient and you need what they're selling. You fall for that. You see, you don't want that old car no more. That's, you know, that, that's the old model. You need the new body style. You need this. Yeah, you don't, you don't, man, those clothes are out of style. That tie, that tie's too skinny now. You got to get a fatter one. And then you wait long enough. That tie's too fat. Now you need a skinnier one. And styles change. And shorts get shorter. And then, like, it's a style for guys now to wear shorter shorts and all this stuff. Like, I call them hoochie daddy shorts. Man, you ain't catching me in a pair of them. I used to make fun of guys that wore them shorts that short. I'm not getting in them. I'd have to be dead. And if you put them on me, I'm going to come back and haunt you. All right? But styles change, and it's all about this and that and want more and want different and this kind of stuff, all right? And it's a wandering, and it's a slow fade. And they say, how about this house, this advertisement? Here's a new home over in a better subdivision, over in a better area, this, that, and the other. See, a lot of times inside of that, it's not about greed. We weren't greedy necessarily, but before long, we end up with a closet full of clothes that we don't wear no more. And I, I wasn't greedy to get all that. I was just, I, 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 man, that's, that's, that's cool. I like that. That's the new style. That's this, that's the other. And then the old style's going. Before you know, you got, whoop. And it looks like greed, but it was really not. It was really falling for a trap of just having a bunch of stuff you don't really need. There was a guy named John Paul Getty. In 1950s, he was 
identified as the richest living American billionaire. And he was asked the question, what does it take to be satisfied? Just a little bit more is what he said. Just a little bit more. The richest person in the world, are you kidding me? Just a little bit more. Never satisfied. Never enough. So what are you and I striving for? What really matters? How deep is the hook in us? And what we know is it's possible to be completely content in this world through our relationship with Christ. We've seen it in Paul. We've seen it laid out. And if he wasn't that way, if he wasn't what he said he was, don't you believe somebody would have called him out? Be like, yeah, Paul said that, but let me tell you what, man, that brother ain't content at all. He, well, he just, he greedy. Somebody would have pointed it out, especially as much as he was probably hated for sharing the truth of the gospel. So we know that it's possible. We've seen somebody flesh it out. We've seen our Lord flesh it out. And it's possible only if Christ and your relationship with God is the most important thing to you. Remember, we go back to that stat that just really bothered me a a month or two ago that I shared that only 15% of people that regularly attend church checked the box and said, my relationship with God is the most important thing in my life. 15% of regular church attenders, not 15% of people who don't go to church. You see, this is only going to work if Christ is the most important thing to you. Otherwise... I'm preaching to the wall. It's materialism. It's a heart. It's a desire that things matter. And when we let that consume us and become our idol and become our God, then God and people don't matter anymore because we have a new identity. We have a different focus. We have a different desire. Do you see that? Did you know that four of the Ten Commandments go against what we're talking about here today? Think about it. Thou shalt have what? No other gods before me. How about idols, right? Think about an idol, things, money. It's an idol that we can put before the Lord, and we don't even know it. We wouldn't even say it. Thou shalt not make any graven image. Things, materialism. Do you worship things? You worship your vehicle, your boat, your house? You worship that money, that bank account? Things, things, things. It's a graven image. You're worshiping something and not the Lord. How about not steal? At the heart of stealing is wanting something you don't have that somebody else has. Am I right? I wouldn't steal if I didn't want something. That I wasn't trusting and being content with what God's given me. How about covet? Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thy neighbor's wife, thy neighbor's anything. Wanting more, desiring more, a covetous heart. So there's four of the Ten Commandments. Do you think that this idea is important? So... We've got that context. Let's read quickly Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24, and bring this to a quick close. But I want to hear from the words of Jesus right here as we bring this in. So Matthew chapter 6, and let's read verses 19 through 24. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 24. Do not, somebody say do not, lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Wow, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. 
Star that, underline that, highlight that in your Bible. Memorize that. You probably already know it. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What Jesus is saying, there is a worship relationship between money and your heart. There is. There is a worship relationship between money and your heart. Where are you storing up your treasure? Let's continue. Verse 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. It doesn't say you cannot have God and money. No. You cannot serve God and money. You see the heart issue again there? You see that? Money's not the problem. Things are not the problem. It's the heart. It's the spider that needs to be taken care of. So, how does that happen? I mean, you can't get any more clear than what Jesus just said. It doesn't really take any exegesis to go through that. Money can be the treasure and rule our heart. And that what our outlook, is, outlook on life is will become our outcome. And what our perception is will determine our pursuit. What we think is important is what we will pursue. Think about that. What Jesus is saying here is I can show you where your heart is basically if I open your checkbook. Because there's a worship relationship that you have with something. And where is that? And that's a question for us all to answer individually as the Spirit lays on our life. Where is our focus? Where is our love? Where is our love? And then the eye's the lamp. And it talks about this, again, visual seeing. And it's at first, if the eye is clear, it's singular, like the focus on Jesus, then there's light. But in contrast, if there's plurality, if there's darkness, that's a plural word there, and you think of two, again, and Jesus pointed to that, can't serve two masters. You think about Blurred vision, double vision, you see multiple things, not one. And you guess which one's right, right? Which one's the real image? That's the picture here. Is there darkness there? And you can't determine what's right. And you can't see in dark. Jesus ends that passage in verse 31 through 33, and we'll skip ahead. We're basically he's saying, don't worry about things of this life. And he's going through the, the, the birds and then the flowers and the grass, and he takes care of it all, and we shouldn't worry about it. And then he concludes there with this. It says, yeah, don't worry about all this stuff, what you're going to eat and drink. And then verse 32, it says, for after all, these things the Gentiles seek. Whoa, 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 whoa. That would be the pagans. The, the idea is there, the people who don't know God. That's what they're after. In other words, when you and I get caught up in that trap and it's about things and money and things and money and ourselves and our wants and, and, and this, that, and the other, who are we like? The lost. The ones who have no hope. The ones who have the wrong heart issue and desire and focus. That's where the, the catch is. And that's where the hook will be. To close out, I'm going to end with a, a, a verse that I know you're all very familiar with that's very often and probably the most taken out of context verse in the Bible. And it's Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. And a lot of you probably have that memorized. It says, I can do all things through Christ. Gives me strength. And you'll post that or memorize that before a test. 
or you'll post that or memorize that before a challenging situation that you're facing, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bench press 500 pounds today. I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. That's not going to be true for everybody. You know what I'm saying? It's going to kill somebody. Might be a few of us that could do that. But that's not what it's talking about. Do you know the context of Philippians chapter 4, verse 13? Do you know what Paul's talking about there? Go back and read verses 11 and 12. He's saying that you need to be content in verse 11 with what you have. And he says in verse 12 that I've learned to be content when I have and when I don't have. When I'm hungry and when I have some food, I'm contented at all. Then verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Here's the message for you and I today. We may feel like we don't have what we want to have. We may feel like we're at a, at a need compared to some other people around us or people in the world. But God wants us, you and me, to be content in what we do have and have the mindset that we can endure and accomplish and go through and live out the Christian life by the strength that the God of the universe provides in us because he is who he is and he loves us and he provides for us, yes, differently than others, but always supplying what we need and always what's supplying what's healthy for us. The rest of that chapter, Paul goes through talking about how the Philippians helped him out and said, man, so y'all were, y- y- y'all were helping me and y'all were giving. And even in Thessalonica, man, when the, that church is a little richer than y'all, man, they could have supplied everything I need, but they didn't do it. And you gave out of your, your need. You still had needs yourself, but, but you saw the desire to give. What does that mean? That means to overcome. Paul's saying, you had it right. How'd they overcome? They had priority number one, God's plan and God's will. Priority number two, others over their own wants. Boy, that sounds familiar, like the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second commandment is like it. Love others as you love yourself. It's about God and others. Philippian church had this focus. And they thought it was more important to have a priority of God's will and another's need, which was Paul, so that the ministry could go forward. And the Bible says, if you read, keep reading Philippians 4, that they gave continuously. They gave and gave and gave. It wasn't a one-time begrudging thing. Oh, man. Okay, okay Paul. Here it is. No, it was gave. It was gave. Out of need, gave. And, and, and I'm not going to go into Malachi and tithing and 1 Corinthians 16, and where it says, lay aside the first side of your prophets and not the leftovers for the Lord. I'm not going to go into 2 Corinthians 8 where Paul said that people gave beyond their means and, and, and even so they gave till it hurts. That's not this message. I don't want a guilt reflex on you. What I want and I, what I believe God wants is for us to see the danger of not wanting to give. Because repetitive giving is the only proof you and I have that the cancer agreed doesn't rule our heart. You see, I can give and not love. I can. I can do it begrudgingly. I can give and not love. But you and I cannot love and not give. Can't do it. Where's your love? Where's your love? In the first Timothy chapter 6, in verse 17 to 19, we're not going to read it. It gives us a game plan. I'll just read it off real quick in my notes. 
First of all, it says the game plan to overcome in this materialism, first, no pride. Don't be haughty. Don't think of yourself more than you ought, right? We had that message. That's the first thing. Second, don't trust money. That's what he says. Don't put our trust in that. Put our trust in the living God. And then he says, do good. Do good works. And that's with our gifts, with our talents. That's the things that he provides. And then before that, he says he wants us to enjoy these things. And that's why God doesn't want us to be in debt. We can't enjoy things and what he's given us if we're in debt and we're sweating it out every week having to pay our bills. That's, there's no joy in debt. There's anxiety and stress. And over 60% of marriages, they say, end with financial difficulty and arguments. There's problems with it. God wants us to enjoy it, not get in debt with it. And then the ultimate thing is to do good works with it, your gifts, your talents. That's, let that be richness to you, it says. And be ready to give and to share. That's money and your time. And that's not just your time. I've heard some people say, well, if I give my time, I don't have my give my money. Boy, that's a great deception of the enemy right there. You show me where that is in the Bible. <laughs> it's not there. Because God wants, and even Jesus just said it, we just read it, because where our treasure is, there's our heart. We saw that in the rich young ruler that came to Jesus. Man, he knew Jesus was the man. He wanted salvation. He would never call him Lord. He called him good teacher. So we knew there was a heart issue somewhere in there. He wasn't going to call Jesus Lord. But he wanted the salvation. And Jesus went through about five of the Ten Commandments. He's like, man, I've kept all that. Jesus is like, good. Because really, Jesus is thinking it ain't about that anyway, bro. He said, you know what? You want to follow me? You want to come after me? You want to be saved? Basically, what he's going to tell him is deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Because if you want to save your own life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. So what does Jesus tell him? He tells him, give all your stuff away to the poor and come follow me. And the Bible says the man went away dejected, depressed, sad. Why? Because money had his heart. Something else had his heart besides Jesus. So he couldn't follow the one that he had come to for life because something else had him hooked. Jesus didn't want his money. Jesus wanted his heart. Jesus doesn't want your money. <laughs> but he does want your heart. And he says if he has your heart, then everything he blesses you with, yes, even financially, will follow him. What James even said. He says you have or you don't have because you don't ask. He says, and then when you don't have, you ask when you don't get it because you ask with the wrong motives. This is James chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. Because why? What's the wrong motive? Because you want to spend what you get on your own pleasures. And he says, you wicked, adulterous generation, don't you know that friendship with the world is enemy to God? How many times have we just become a friend with the world and an enemy to God by just desiring more, just wanting more for the sake of spending it all on our own pleasure, just for ourselves, not for the idea of honoring, honoring God with it and sharing it with others. And especially giving to the mission that God calls the church to reach the loss before we just went through Revelation and all hell is about to break loose on this earth. And I end with this example. We all go to restaurants. And you don't have to raise your hand. Please don't. How many of you, when you go out to a restaurant, leave a tip for the waiter or waitress? Don't raise your hand. How many of you, when you give that tip, it's 
How many of you, when you give that tip, it's 10%. I think that's what it used to be. How many of you give 15%? How many of you give 20%? I think that's what's kind of being expected now. How many of you know you don't have to give that money, but you do it anyway? That you could easily just get up and walk out of the restaurant and not lay a dime down. But then what would happen? You would worry about what that waitress or waiter would think next time you came into that restaurant. They might make up a special concoction in your food next time you come in. You know what I'm saying? So you feel a little social pressure to do something you don't have to do. And give 15, 20%. I think about this. You don't know that person. If you went to another area and left, you might say, I'm never going to see that person again. So it don't even matter. I'm not going to give. Are you still... Because of social society and norms, you give like you would normally. So here's the question. Lord, help us. And let me say this right. Because I've been guilty myself. How many of us regularly give to that waitress or waiter out of peer pressure and societal norms when we don't have to? but we don't give God a dime. Even if we do, we tip God. We give him off the last of what we have left over and not out of the first of what we know he deserves and knows. That's why it's important to not live in debt so that we don't get so strapped out that we can't give to the Lord, that we can't give and be a blessing to others. I'm guilty and you're guilty at some point in our life. But the call of the Lord today is, how bad are we hooked? Can you and I get the hook out of our mouth, stop drifting down the beach unknowingly, and get back to where we're supposed to be? And let the Lord do a work in our heart that releases us and sets us free from the all-consuming desire for more that really never satisfies Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Get off the rat, rat race, hamster wheel of materialism and get your heart set right on God and use all that he's blessed you with to glorify him and complete the mission that he set you and I on as the church. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. We've been talking a lot about the heart. And does God have your heart? And I want to know today is, first and foremost, as we're running late, and I apologize. Does God have your heart? Does he? Have you given him your heart, your life? Have you surrendered to him and said, Lord, not my, not my will anymore, but your will be done. I'm a sinner, and I'm in need of you, my Savior. I'm tired of doing life on my own, trying to figure things out, and running this rat race of life, and I just surrender, and I want to give my life to you today and do it your way. Have you done that? If you haven't, I want you to do that right now and just do business with your heart to God's heart right now and surrender your life to him. Or maybe you're here and you say, Brad, I've done that previously in my life, but lately I've drifted, I've walked away, I've been deceived, I've drifted down the beach. Maybe not even with money or materialism, but with something else. And you've drifted away from the Lord. And today you need to come running back like the prodigal son to Jesus right now. Would you do business with God the same way and come running back to him and rededicate your life to him right now? So to receive him for the first time or rededicate your life, just boldly, unashamed right now, just say, dear Lord, I admit to you 
Lord, that I've messed this up. And I'm a sinner. I've broken your law. And there's nothing I can do, no righteous works. There's no giving I can do to overcome it. That all I can do is my proper act of worship right now. And that's to be a living sacrifice. That's to give my life to you. And for you to be my Lord. So, Lord, I admit that I'm wrong. And I'm in need of you. And thank you, Father, Lord, for sending your son, Jesus, the spotless lamb. That his body was broken, his blood was shed, and he laid down his life that I could be set free. And Lord, thank you for raising him from the grave three days later, proving that he is God. And that he stands in victory. And Lord, I want to claim that victory in my life right now, Lord, because I need it. And my family needs it. And Lord, my commitment to you is the rest of my life. Lord, you have my heart. Lord, do your work in me. Sanctify me through your truth because your word is truth. And, Lord, I long to live for you all the days of my life. Amen. If that's you and you did business with God right there today for the first time to accept him and give him your life or to rededicate your life to him boldly and unashamed, no one looking around, will you just raise your hand and say, Brad, right now I did business with God. And I just want you to pray for me. Amen. We're going to close our service like we do every week right here at Impact. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now. We sing with all our heart, with all our voice. Whatever it is the Lord's doing in your life through his word, I just want you to come. Maybe you made a decision for the Lord right there. Maybe there's something you need prayer over. It has nothing to do with the message today. Maybe there's a a bad health report, something going on in your life. Maybe it's a, a relationship. Maybe it's prayer over a loved one that's lost. Maybe you need to pray over joining the church, getting plugged in, whatever it is. Let's just come right now as the Lord leads.
Give Jesus a big round of applause for his word and what he always does in our hearts through his word changes us. Man, I just really encourage you to go back and read Philippians chapter 4, the rest of that passage, and really get the context fully of verse 13 that's so popular. And to know what Paul ends is saying, man, that giving that the Philippian church was doing was like a aroma, a pleasing sacrifice to the Lord. That's what the Lord looks at when we give. And when we don't have that cancer of greed and materialism in us and when God's got our heart it's a beautiful thing and God uses us to do his work man let's just take that to heart let's uh, be doers of his word not hearers only and let's go make an impact for Jesus if you uh, have to go take off otherwise if you want to stay we're going to go through some of the um, budget and the giving to this year so far if you don't have time to stay you can see some of the papers on the table as you exit feel free to to look at that and uh, just know where we are and uh, God's faithful and uh, Lord's doing great work go make an impact for Jesus we'll see you next Sunday